to us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. The Mighty God. The Everlasting Father. What a wonderful way to kick off the Christmas season and to sing the songs of Christmas and to be together and see our children singing with us. How cool, how cool. And it's so good to look out and see you today. Take your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. Just probably very familiar to every one of you. But we'll take it, we'll read it, we're going to dissect this passage over the next four weeks and learn what God is teaching us and taught Isaiah some 600 years, even before Christ was born. He began to tell us who Jesus was and what to expect when he got here. You can follow along with me in your outline. And first, let's read the passage, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. I don't know if you noticed it there, but there's an interesting dualism that's going on in this passage of Scripture. In the first part of it, he says, a child is born. That speaks of the humanity of Christ. Jesus, the Messiah, was not born on Christmas Day. He had already been, but the child, the humanity, the human one, the the one that always was. John 1.1 said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. He was preexistent. But the Messiah, Jesus, the sacrifice was born for us. He says, a child is born, the humanity of Christ. A son is given, the deity of Christ. A child is born speaks of weakness. A son is given speaks of power. A child is born speaks earthly. A son is given speaks heavenly. A child is born speaks of the son of man. A son is given speaks of the son of God. 600 years before he's born on earth. Isaiah spoke to the pro- I mean, God spoke to the prophet Isaiah. And Isaiah profoundly wrote about and beautifully described the gift that God was going to give to the world. His son Jesus. And God's son from heaven came to be born as a child to redeem humanity. I'm... I hope I don't ever get over, but I, at least to this point I have not when we talk about and we sing the songs of Christmas. And I think about a young Mary in an isolated town in Nazareth where nobody wanted to be from. Gives birth to this child and she's a virgin. 
And God himself, who it says in the scripture that is holding all things together in his hand, somehow enveloped himself into a human egg and allowed himself to be implanted into a virgin child to develop as a man and to be born as we understand birth. And all that while, he was still God. That is an amazing thing to me. The scripture says that God so loved the world that he gave his son. That son that was born. That son that Isaiah wrote about. And it amazes me when I keep on reading because Romans 5.8 says that while we were still sinners, Christ died. So he gave himself to leave the wonder of heaven, to come to the squalor of earth. He gave himself to live among us and to be ridiculed by many. He gave himself to die on a cross, to be buried in a tomb. He allowed himself to be, to arise again, to rise again. Also that we, while we were still sinners, could be reconciled to God the Father through him. And don't you know if it could have been done any other way, God would have done it? Don't you know if it could have happened in any other format, that would have been the thing? But it says before the foundations of the earth, in the fullness of time, God sent His Son. And He sent His Son for you. That no matter who you are, where you've been, or what's going on in your life, that He says, I can reconcile you. I can bring you back to me. I can restore the proper order of what I wanted in the Garden of Eden. The child is born. The son is given. But in verse 6 it says, And the government will be on his shoulders. The first part of that verse 6 talks about his first coming. And you see, the Jewish people, they were, they were wanting the second coming. They're wanting what's going to be. They wanted the earthly king. They wanted the ruler. They wanted the one that was going to squash the Romans and, and establish it here on earth. And Jesus said, you know what? I'm going to come first, and I'm going to give something much more important than that. I'm going to reconcile. I'm going to rectify. I'm going to put it together, and I'm going to build my people. And he says, and then, just as I came as the son, just as I came as the child, I'm going to come back with with ark and triumph. I'm going to come back with banner held high. I'm going to come back as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. I will come back not only as the risen Messiah, but I will come back as the earthly king. The government will be on my shoulders. I love that because in midtown Atlanta, Right on the corner, close to the varsity, there's this statue. And it's this muscular, kind of Atlas kind of guy. I think Russell posed for it one afternoon while they made it. But it was an Atlas kind of guy, and he's got the world, and he's like this. Jesus, wow, that's overwhelming to me. What Jesus has is so much more than that. He's got the entire universe. And he says, 
I'm the son that was born. I'm the one that died so that you could have life and you could be right with God the Father through, through, he, through me. He says, but I'm coming back and I'm going to make it right. It's going to be where it should be. My purpose for coming the first time is not to be your earthly king. It's to be your eternal redeemer. That's why Paul would write in Colossians 3.15 where he said, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Because whenever Christ rules, wherever Christ rules, there's peace. If Christ is ruling in my heart, I can have peace in the middle of confusing times. In the middle of problems, in the middle of anxious times. But where there is not ruling, there is not peace. I want to ask you today, what seemingly impossible situation are you facing? Whatever it is, God is more powerful. Whatever you face, God is more powerful. That's why we can walk down the aisle and stand in front of people and cry out to God and say, God, no matter what it is I face today, I call on you. I rely on you. I think back to that Sunday that we had the gentleman that that lived in our community who committed suicide here on our property. He said, I have lost hope. Ladies and gentlemen, hear me. Everywhere we step, there are people around us who are crying, I need hope. I need understanding. I need strength in this time. It is bigger than me. And the scripture says that to unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. He says, I'm going to reconcile you to God. I'm going to give my life. I'm going to be the king that rules and reigns. I'm going to come back and all the government's going to be on my shoulders. Trust me. Stay with me. Follow me all the way. He is there. One of my favorite passages, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things. Now the qualifier. Through Christ who strengthens me doesn't say I can do most. It doesn't say I can do a lot. It doesn't say I can do everything but one thing. It says I can do the things through Christ who strengthens me. God is my power. And through Him we can do it. So how do we understand Him this morning? We understand Him to be our confidence got to print it on two sides. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Stay with me. He's our guide in every decision. Is what the passage says. He will be called Wonderful Counselor. The first thing that Christ wants to do for us is He wants to give us direction in every decision. Jesus wants us to give clarity to us in confusing times. I don't know about you, but but on a daily basis, I'm faced with a lot of confusing choices. Sometimes I'm humanly in my own little brain, not sure which path to take, which one will end up in the right place. But this verse tells us that Jesus, our wonderful counselor, 
is there to give us a guide for every decision. Do you remember when Nehemiah was trying to decide to go back and what should he do in Jerusalem? And it says that he wept and he prayed and he waited and he prayed. And finally he was in front of the king and the king said, Nehemiah, what is it you want? And that at that moment it says that Nehemiah prayed. He said, God, I've got a decision. Is this the time? Is this the place? Is this the moment that I need to speak what you have laid on my heart? And no matter where we are today, God says, I am your wonderful counselor. I am your guide. I want to take you to the right place. You know, world leaders have people that they turn to and they go to a lot of places for advice. They have advisors, but the trouble with all of these people telling them what to do is that they're all human. But what Jesus tells me is that I am your wonderful counselor. Are you going through something in life that makes no sense? Call on Him. Are you walking through a valley that, that is hard and you're just every day waking up and saying, one foot in front of the other, call on Him. He says, I will give you decision. I will give you rest. I will give you peace. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not human that He should lie, not a human being that He should change His mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? What he's telling us here is that God never lies and he always keeps his promises. So whatever God promises us in his word, he's going to come through on. He doesn't tell us one thing and then do another. He is faithful God. He is the wonderful counselor. He's the guide for every decision. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to Him and He makes your path straight. Qualifier, submit to Him. He makes your path straight. think the beauty and the wonder of trusting God is that he sees around the corner. He sees one year down the road. He sees five years down the road. He sees an eternity down the road. At our staff retreat this year, we played a a trust game. And I walked over to the gym and and walking around the gym, we created um, several obstacles. And then the team paired up and in pairing up they were one was blindfolded and one was giving direction so it was something like this you're standing here and you can't see and the other person says okay I want you to take two giant steps forward now turn to your right it's amazing how many people need to do this to figure out which is right and left by the way Um, turn to your right take two baby steps That person that was being led, the one that was blindfolded, had to rely on the one who could see the obstacles ahead to give them direction. We need to learn that same reliance on God because He sees tomorrow in the middle of difficult today. We need to rely on God because He knows what's going to happen. And He says, I am your faithful tour guide. I am the one who gives you direction in every decision. I'm the wonderful counselor. If in all your ways you will acknowledge me and submit to me, I will give you a straight path. 
Now, don't misunderstand, don't misunderstand straight path. Straight path may not mean a straight line. A straight path may mean that we will make it to the final destination safely delivered through the blood of Christ that was shed on the cross at Calvary. Lefts and right, left and right in life is not necessarily the problem. Over the river and through the woods is not necessarily the problem. Left and right and over the river and through the woods becomes a problem when you don't have a tour guide to get you to the other side. Yesterday I went hunting with a friend. And he wanted to walk to a place that I had never been. And I walked into that place that I had never been with confidence because the one walking in front of me knew exactly where he was going. I have ways on my phone. I plug in, I want to go to 297 Northwind Drive. I don't think anymore about right and left. I trust my, my GPS and it says, turn left, turn right. Sometimes I think I know better and she starts screaming, recalculating, recalculating. And I have to get back on the path. You see what we do with the friend that guides us. What we do through the GPS that navigates us. We need to learn to do with the God that created us. And he says I know you better than, I know you, than you know yourself. And I know what's coming in your life. That's him. And Isaiah 600 years before it was even understood was sitting here and writing and saying there's coming one day one called the wonderful counselor man we've got to learn to depend on him and you know Paul also wrote this in Colossians 2 in Christ all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are James 3 says his wisdom is pure So he's my guide in every decision. He's my courage in every storm. And he shall be called wonderful counselor. Mighty God. Oh now look. Do you see what we're building? Not only can he look and say. Hey Nelson I want you to go this way. But now he says. That not only do I want you to go this way. But I am the strength to Deliver you. I will give you the power. I am mighty God. Jeremiah 32, 17 says, Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth. By your great power and outstretched arm, nothing is too hard for you. So when you as the child of God who have gone to the wonderful counselor and the wonderful counselor says, This is what I want you to do. He now says, I can empower you to do it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He doesn't weakly, W-E-A-K-L-Y, weakly lead you. He says, I lead you with power. I lead you with strength. I lead you with might. And I will safely deliver you. He who began the good work in you is faithful to complete it. 
Ladies and gentlemen, you can bend your knee to Christ. You can submit your heart to Him. You can call on Him for direction. You can trust Him through what you're going through because He says, I know the plans I have for you. They're the plans to give you future and a hope and I have a promise and a purpose and I will tell you what it is and then I'm going to empower you to accomplish it. Now this is where we have to be careful and comfortable in God's Word. Not everything we conjure is from God. He says, in all your ways acknowledge Him. Submit to Him. Seek Him. Go to His Word. What does His Word say? And we call on Him and He says, I will be this for you. I will be your mighty God. One step of faith can take you miles down the road because of God's power and His strength. So we begin to read Isaiah's words. He's our guide in every decision because He's the wonderful counselor. He's our courage in every storm because we call Him mighty God. But we also see that He's our confidence in, ever, in every crisis. Because he's our everlasting father. His leadership style is eternal, faithful, consistent. We can be confident in his leadership no matter what's going on in our lives. And every one of us will face a crisis at some point. We don't know when the storm's going to hit. But I know that we can count on Jesus. The Bible said he doesn't leave. He doesn't forsake. The Bible even tells us in 2 Timothy. That when we are faithless. He remains faithful. Because he cannot deny himself. Our counselor. Who's mighty. Is also everlasting. Again, that speaks to this. He's not, a, he's not going to get me out on the limb and then saw it off. He's not going to say, trust me, and then walk away from me. He's going to be my faithful guide door to door. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. If I've learned one thing over the last weeks and months and maybe a couple of years now, is that when someone, anyone, is trying to get elected, they will speak what the audience they want to hear. The audience, they will speak what the audience wants to hear. So in this audience, they say it this way. In that audience, they say it that way. Jesus speaks the same no matter the audience. What he said in Genesis 1.1 is true in the last verse of Revelation. He doesn't change his message. 
His message is that I've loved you so much from the beginning of time that I'm going to do whatever it takes to redeem you. And I've loved my redeemed so much that I'm not going to leave them. I'm going to walk with them. I'm going to walk beside them. I will safely deliver them to eternity. And one day you will be with me without sin, without hurt, without shame. You will be with me in heaven and in heaven we will rule and reign. We can trust Him. His way, we can trust Him. Eternal means that God sees, God sees the big picture. And that's why the scripture will say that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. doesn't mean that all things I face are good. But it means that the God who's leading me will deliver me to good. And I can trust Him. I love it when I hear people say, I've read the last page of the book and we win. So the son that's born, the child that is given, he's our counselor, he's our strength, he's our everlasting father, and he's our peace in every problem. Look at it. For unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders when he comes again. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Over the last 4,000 years of recorded history, best I can tell there's been 286 years of peace out of 4,000. This is a chaotic world. There's chaos around us. But the Bible tells us that that's not something to worry about. In fact, we know who's in control. Jesus. John 14, 27 said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. Bible tells us that we will have problems. The Bible tells us that we will be in spiritual warfare. The Bible tells us that there will be things in our lives that we want to look up and say, why God? Why God? The Bible also demonstrates to us that God's okay with that. The everlasting Father says, sit down and talk to me. Tell me what you're going through. Tell me how you feel. Tell me why it's this way. And then talk to me and let me talk to you. And I will be your Prince of Peace. I will be the one that, that comes beside you and strengthens and supports you. I will give you rest. I will pull with you when the burden is heavy. He said, sometimes I'll just be the one that pulls it all together. Have you ever been there? Have you had that stressed out moment that you thought, dear God, if you don't take over right now, I just can't make it another step. And at that moment, God just steps in and He begins to, to consume you, to just dwell in you, to overpower you. And you begin to realize as the footprint in the sand poem goes, I look back, I saw one set of footprints. God, where were you? And He said, oh no, my child, that was me carrying you. I had you safely in my arm. 
Isaiah got a picture of the Jesus that was coming. That would guide, that would strengthen, that would stay with us. And he would give us peace to face everything that was. Matthew 16, 18 tells us that our hope does not need to be in government. It doesn't need to be in lawmakers. It doesn't need to be in legislation. It doesn't need to be in the security of our own circumstances. In fact, this is what it says. It says, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, and I always love this. I know I, know I learned this as a child, but if you look at the Greek language, that word, and on this rock, Peter, is the w- Greek word for pebble. Little baby stone. Something you pick up and throw into the water and it makes a ripple and that's all it does. And he says that on this rock is the Greek word for boulder. That thing to which you cannot pick up at all because it is so big. He says, hey Peter, little pebble, I'm not going to build it on you even though I'm going to use you and you're going to be a part of my plan. He says, I'm going to build my church on the rock. And what is the rock? That you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He says, that's what I'm going to build my church on. And he says that this church will be eternal. This church will be everlasting. This thing will last for all of eternity because of me. And on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone. The government can do a lot of things, and we need good government. But there's some things only Jesus can do. You remember when you were a kid, and a situation was going on, and everybody in the world could try to comfort you, and it might be okay, but at that moment that mama came in, and you could like get up next to her and nuzzle, man, it's... I'm going to tell y'all a baby story, and if y'all laugh at me, I'm going to throw something. I used to sit in my mom's lap. (laughs) At least it didn't say I don't understand this time, right? My point was clear. I used to sit in my mom's lap when I was little, and um, I would put my hand on my nose, and I would take one finger, and I would twirl her hair. She said she'd go anywhere she went. She never brushed her hair because by the time I got her home, it was going to be messed up. But I want to tell you something. Those were some secure moments. But this is what I found out. That as I got older, there's only so much that mama could do. In fact, we've reached the stage of life now that, that mama probably needs to sit in my lap. There's just no hair to twirl. And that's why hope has to be built on Christ. Because mom gets old and dad passes away and dad loses his memory and and mom's trying to figure out a new life and, and this and that and people let you down. And he says, but I am God. I am everlasting and I am God and I am all powerful and I am God and I will not leave you and you can trust me through it all. You can trust me. (laughs) 
Philippians 2.10 says that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. I try not to overdo illustrations because sometimes familiarity breeds I don't say contempt, but oh yeah, I know that. So I try to find something new and different. But there's one illustration that sticks with me through the ages. And I can't tell you how many times I listen to it. And it, every time I do, it just takes me to another place. But years ago, an elderly pastor, S.M. Lockridge, stood up and he said, This is my king. And when he did it, he began to talk about all that his king was. And all that his king did. And Isaiah, 600 years before he was born, told us who Jesus was going to be. S.M. Lockridge, 2,000 years after he died, said, Hey, what Isaiah wrote back there, that's good stuff. And you need to cling to him. And you need to listen to him. In fact, I, I don't know that I can think of a better way to close them than this. just that... An old dead preacher, remind us again who Jesus is. Noel. The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know him. My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captive. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he purifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Do you know him? Do you know him? His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word 
That's Christmas. That's our King. That's the one who gave it all to redeem us from no matter where we've been. He is Jesus. And He says, I have a new life. I want to exchange this for that. And He says, the exchange is this. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things are passed away and behold, all things are made new. He is my King. Is He yours? Thank you.